Today's episode of Socially Democratic is presented to you by Dunstreet. Dunstreet partners with businesses, organisations, unions and social democratic parties across the globe to develop community organising strategies and train leaders to build power from within their community. And in 2021, or what's left of it, Dunstreet will continue to work with folks that want to share their stories, inspire others, take action, give hope and organise communities for change. To find out how you can partner with Dunstreet, hit us up at dunstreet.com.au. Socially Democratic is also presented to you by Morris Blackburn Lawyers. Are you passionate about providing access to justice? Morris Blackburn, Australia's leading plaintiff law firm, is looking for a senior associate to join their TAC and work injuries team on a full-time permanent basis in the Dandenong and Ringwood offices. You will use your legal technical knowledge and expertise to strive for fair outcomes for our clients or for their clients. Um, Their role is based in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia the world. To apply, go to morrisblackburn.com.au forward slash careers. Hello and welcome to another episode of Socially Democratic, your weekly centre-left politics and organising podcast that dives into the progressive campaigns and issues of the day and the people leading them from home and abroad. And we're staying at home today. We are speaking to the national president of Australian Young Labor, Ali Amin, um, about um, his role that he's just taken on. I think he's just recently been elected the president of um, AYL and the role that uh, Australian Young Labor plays in terms of representing the youth of today, uh, but also a bit of uh, background to Ali's um, life and what brought him to uh, where he is today. So look out for that episode. Um, and I've also just slightly distracted here because I've just read it. It's 12.34 Melbourne time on a Friday, the 1st of October, and I've just sent a tweet saying, breaking Liberal Upper House MP Peter Poulos has just said on open mic in a public committee that Gladys Berejiklian is going to resign at 1pm in 25 minutes. Okay, well, you'll be listening to this show over the weekend, so I wonder if that was true. Huge if true. Okay, um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. And if you like the show, let us know and leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. And for all of the updates follow Dunn Street on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and uh, not TikTok. Okay, let's get to today's episode. We are taping this one on a Friday morning. In Melbourne lockdown, man, it becomes harder to work out exactly what day it is uh, when uh, when you're in lockdown. But uh, joining me from uh, the great state of South Australia, um, the city of Popeye, um, Adelaide, uh, that's an inside joke, um, is the newly elected president of Australian Young Labor, which is the peak organisation for young members of the Australian Labor Party between the ages of 15 and 26. I'll have to double check that. Um, And he's also an industrial officer with the South Australian branch of the SDA. Ali Amin, welcome to Socially Democratic. Thank you, Stephen, for having me on. It's a pleasure. Um, I I would like to say I I want to live vicariously through um, you and the fact that you live in a state that is not in lockdown right now. But being a former resident of South Australia, I feel like I can do the odd SA gag, which I have been doing with a bunch of friends of mine who also were former SA um, Adelaide people that have now moved overseas. We've been remarking that... um, Melbourne lockdown with that, you know, the CBD bereft of people and traffic is basically like Adelaide on any given day. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, look, no, not quite true. I was at the pub yesterday. Uh, not, not to brag, but it, it, it was pr- pretty packed. I think people are enjoying the freedom that that we now that we we are lucky to to have, and hopefully, um, we can all enjoy soon. Absolutely, um, I know. And I, as I say that, the, the joke really is on us right now because we are yes, absolutely locked down, and we are not enjoying time <laughs> in the pub, which um, would be great to do. Um, Okay, like you're the president of Australian Young Labor and I want to ask you a whole bunch of questions uh, about uh, Young Labor and I will do that later in the show. Uh, but before we do do that, um, just tell me a bit about your background. How, I mean, how, first of all, where did you grow up and then sort of how did you find yourself involved in Labor politics? But starting with, um, you know, what's your background? Yeah, um, so I wasn't born in Australia. I was actually born in um, Baghdad in, in Iraq. Um, there's obviously a lot of uh, political turmoil and multiple wars prior to the 2003 Iraq War. Uh, so my family fled as refugees um, due to various reasons um, in in uh, 1998 to Turkey, uh, where uh, I grew up in a in a town called Konya, which is in central Turkey. Um, quite not a particularly metropolitan town, um, quite conservative, but um, very accommodating people who host, I mean, Turkey as a whole hosted millions of refugees with with no restrictions um, at all. So we enjoyed full rights, essentially, as citizens and were supported by the community there. Um, then I moved to Ankara, which is the capital, uh, where um, uh, yeah, I spent, spent a, few, a few years there. Um, so my mum was a, a, a single mum towards the the um, uh, I guess the latter latter half of our time in Turkey. Uh, so we eventually, because uh, we were UNHCR refugees, got resettled into uh, Australia under a woman at risk resettlement program, um, and um, was lucky enough to come to Adelaide in in towards the end of two thousand and three um, with with my mum and siblings. Um, where I've grown up in the western suburbs here by the beach, which is quite nice. Um, it's quite it's, reminds me of the Mediterranean a bit um, in, in in Turkey. Um, yeah, when went went to school here um, and and uh, did quite well. I think they I got into university where I studied uh, uh, accounting and and law. So like many other young people in young labour, um, I got involved um, at university. Um, so during the end of the, or towards the end of the, the Abbott government, um, uh, the, and Chris Pine was education minister at the time, from memory, um, there, there was a quite a big pitch from them to deregulate universities, which was not taken well by by the sector, particularly students who would um, who are impacted by this the most. Um, and clearly, they've been, you know, more successful recently. But there was quite a powerful um, student movement that was built up in response to that. Um, so, like a lot of people um, uh, at uni, uh, when I was there, I got involved in in my student uh, union um, and the opposition to 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 uh, the cuts there. Um, but uh, again, yeah, I feel like university uh, is is a place where. Um, you do have quite a lot of political engagement, unlike other areas of your life where you'd spend a lot of time. And there, there is uh, quite a few established political clubs and, and institutions within the university itself at my uni, uh, but also other unis. Um, so I, I ended up joining um, the Adelaide University Labor Club. Um, so a mate of mine was was in um, in in labor at UniSA. 
Um, and yeah, once you get involved, it's really just, uh, you just get more and more involved. Um, but then, uh, yeah, so I got involved in that. I got quite a bit involved in student politics. Uh, so I, I eventually ran for uh, president of my student union at Adelaide, where I was successfully elected. Um, uh, and that that was a really good experience, quite a political uh, experience as well. And, and the campus factions, I guess, uh, representing um, both Labour Party factions, but also other um, party factions who are quite involved in student politics. Um, so after that, I got involved, I, I got elected as welfare officer of the National Union of Students. Um, uh, so that was last year, um, which was, um, you know, quite an experience during um, COVID and, and um, some of the welfare measures that were introduced that left a lot of students uh, behind, um, especially international students. Uh, so uh, I guess my early days in in, in Labour were very much um, uh, integrated into student politics generally. Um, young Labour or young Labour members are quite involved in, in the National Union of Students broadly. Um, but that's that's a bit about how I got involved until obviously recently, about a month ago, I was uh, lucky enough to be um, elected National Young Labour President. And congratulations uh, on on that um, election. Um, let's uh, let's go right back to the start there because I've got a whole bunch of questions I want to uh, ask you about. Certainly, um, growing up in um, in Baghdad and then um, having to um, flee your homeland to go live in another country. What, how old were you when when you left Iraq? I was only um, probably two when I left Iraq, so um, my my childhood memories are exclusively about my my experiences in in Turkey. Why Turkey? Why, why did your family, did they get a choice about where they went? Or I mean, how, does it, how does this work when you want to flee? Yeah, so um, it was literally wherever we, we could go. Um, so I, I understand um, we just fled in, in the back of a, a petrol truck. Um, Turkey is the only, was the only country that had relatively open borders. They're also the most open to um, refugees. Even after the Iraq war, there were a lot of refugees um, that fled to Turkey. Um it's quite an accommodating uh, country and population as well. Um, the city uh, I, I was in had essentially, um, you know, there's mandatory charity uh, where where everyone chipped in to to look after each other and and um, refugees uh, as as well. Um, but it was really just wherever we could go. Um, obviously, that's limited by geography and mm. neighboring countries around you. And the most open one was was Turkey. What are your memories of growing up in uh, in Turkey? What was the name of the town again? You mentioned it's more of a, a small city, but it's Konya. Um, so it's central to in in the central part of Turkey. It it, it was it's beautiful, um, really nice. A lot of the population former farmers, um, uh, but now the city is is booming. Big manufacturing hub. I recall going going to school. Um, everyone being really really. Um, nice um there's a i guess an element of of um uh you know, solidarity and and, and uh, brotherhood partly um because obviously iraq and turkey share share the same religion as as, as well but um no it, it was really good and i uh, loved my experiences there and, and and all the friends there were you and your family unique in the fact that you were iraq iraqi refugees or was the town was there a large population of uh, folks that had also fled 
your homeland that sort of settled in there and were had built a community? I don't recall knowing many, many Iraqi people. I, I understand there, there weren't too many in, in, in Konya, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not too sure on that. How old were you when you moved to Australia? Uh, so I would have been eight. I had just turned eight um, at the end of uh, 2003. And so why did you folks want to move to, uh, to Australia? Yeah. Oh, it's quite a bit of a long, long story, but um, essentially the, the reason um, I understand we, we moved to, or we, we fled to Turkey in the first place was obviously it's a very unstable time in, in Iraq and um, uh, under the, the Hussein government. Um, uh, he wasn't a very popular guy and there were dozens of, of uh, coup attempts uh, against him. Um, I mean, after the, the uh, first Gulf War, the Iraqi army actually, um, upon return, returning um, guns pointed towards the, the, the government and there was a almost successful um, takeover by a national unity, uh, I guess, alternative government. Um, so unfortunately that was shut down uh, partly by, by the same countries that um, got rid of uh, the Iraqis in Kuwait in the first place because they didn't want uh, the government to fall um, as it would have posed a risk for an Iranian um, you know, power in, 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 in the country. Uh, but there were quite a f- lot of fail, uh, failed coup attempts. Um, it's good at staying in power. Um, and my dad was a public servant and he was as as well a lot of my my uncle but my family I understand they were involved in 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 one of those um so to avoid uh you know i guess getting hunted down um we had to uh flee so yeah the, so ali your family were involved in one of the the coup attempts uh, i not not in any 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 uh major capacity but uh my dad's just a public servant i think it's just a uh yeah that uh, i'm i'm not too too on top of it to be honest uh, yeah, just involved in, I guess, political organizing uh, against against the government. Uh, would yeah, I guess whether that's a, a coup or, or not. Um, yeah, I, sorry. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect your, your old man to sort of be in the strategy room where they were sort of with a big map and they were moving sort of uh, you know troops across the border and trying to work out how they're going to do, do this. But I thought clearly your family were in support of regime change. Regime change. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I'd say the overwhelming majority of Iraqi people were um again with these things it's whether whether you put your how, how much you put in into it obviously appreciating its risk in any political organizing we're obviously a lot uh of, you know freer freer here um but but um yeah it's, it's risk risk in in in, in um, really getting involved in politics generally um uh so uh, i understand uh, yeah, my family were politically involved, and and that was what led to us fleeing as as refugees. And then prior to um, the Iraq War, there was crackdown from the Iraqi government on dissidents uh, in neighboring countries. So my dad fled as a refugee to um, Europe um, when the, so uh, prior to that, um, and then. Um, uh, we we were we were also UNHCR refugees and 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 um, uh, had applied for resettlement 
programs and and I, we were just lucky enough to be re- resettled into Australia. So you don't get a choice in that process. You apply to be resettled from the country that you're in at that moment, but really then it's up to some bureaucrat to then basically select where you go. Is that right? Or uh, Yeah, yeah I, I understand it's something like like that. Um, there's kind of different countries with different refugee quotas and, and um, some have additional requirements and, and you know, people uh, are resettled through through the, that, that global program. So we're thinking about this whole, I mean, it's, it's a debate that's not happening as much at the moment, but certainly for a while there, it was actually tearing the Labor Party and, and, and our community apart. Huge question here, but I mean, how do you, given that the experiences that your family has gone through, and then you look at the current policies of various iterations of Australian governments when it comes to accepting refugees into this country, how do you feel about that? I mean, is Labor... Yeah, I mean that's a good question, and um, actually moved a, a policy motion on this at our uh, state young labour um, recently, which was there's a bit of a departure from federal labour labour's policy. Um, now, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's obviously quite a divisive issue within the party. NSA, not so much. Um, there's a lot of members of parliament, including the leader uh, of of the uh, the state party. Um, and, and members that have refugee backgrounds themselves or their parents did. So Eastern European, um, you know, Greek, Cypriot, um, uh, all, all over the place, really. Um, so it's, I'd say that the body politics a bit different in a say um, on this. And, and But, yeah, I, I really disagree with, with federal Labor's, um, you know, this, de facto support essentially for um, mandatory detention, which was obviously introduced by a Labor government. Um, I support uh, closing Manus and Nauru because they're not processing centres at this stage. They're they're really detention centres. Um, but in terms of, um, uh, I guess, one of the, was more of the dog whistle <laughs> uh, for, for all of this was, was both people. Um, now, I, I was lucky enough to, again, be resettled through a, United Nations program and and um, came here came here in, in a safe uh, way. Um, now uh, I I would understand and appreciate that does need to be uh, you know, policies to address um, inward migration um, in into the country. Um, but um, obviously, you know, we should have a strong refugee intake. Um, you know, people often talk about how many refugees are resettled in, into uh, the West or the Anglosphere. Uh, but when you look at the countries usually neighbouring um, those with conflict that lead to refugee crises in the first place, they take millions of people. Now that's leading to such large, uh, at the moment, conflicts quite significant, especially in the Middle East, you know, in Syria and, and Iraq and and. Um, you know, North Africa, so there's a lot more um, outward migration. Um, uh, but neighbouring countries take in millions of refugees. Um, usually it's almost always on a temporary basis, but they're still hosting a lot of people and, and supporting them throughout the time, whether it be, it be in camps or in a more, um, you know, unrestricted um, manner. But um, I think we have capacity not just to um, take in, uh, refugees into Australia, especially those that need it the most, uh, but also support programs overseas. Um, and look, I I think there is a difference, a quite a clear difference in, in 
um, the Liberal and Labour Party's policies on on refugees. Um, it's a quite a divisive issue for the party, so they try to stay, you know, absolutely quiet on it, um, uh, not make it an election issue. Uh, but but I think the policy difference will be clear in a Labour government, um, and I think there's room to shift once you are in a position of power. You uh, talked uh, sort of in towards the end of your initial remarks about that sort of journey into um, into um, political activism through student politics. Um, and I'm just wondering, prior to that, whilst you were um, maybe in high school or even in prim- primary school, what are the things that shaped your political values or what, where was this less the political socialization sort of you know, i think you said you had a mate that was at unisa that was in the labor party we've all got that mate um as an entry into political activism but before that when did you sort of work out that you were a social democrat or when did you work out that you're a center-left person or those politics how did they yeah. how did they formulate yeah it's funny um but yeah my friendship group in in high school was quite um political um so i was i went to a public school in the western suburbs of adelaide um but um and funnily enough, quite a few people from that school uh, are now quite involved in politics. I guess once someone gets involved, others others do as well. But um, like our former premier was is also from um, uh, so Jay Weather was from Henley High School, the school I attended. So was the local member of parliament um, and and you know, the secretary of the SDA SA branch here. Um, but there were, uh, I guess, um, naturally in in school there's. Um, interaction with the political process but um yeah I, I did have quite strong views particularly on international politics in 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 school as common discussion point during during lunch um i'd say my high school views obviously no one's views are you know, fully developed at, at that stage but it's quite i recall quite liking um uh ron paul um, wow. So the US libertarian-esque person, but uh, it is partly um, um, at the time, I think the Republican Party is uh, quite an interesting place. And he was like a big, um, uh, you know, US uh, inwards looking movement of, of, you know, withdrawing from, from the rest of the world. And I, yeah, I think I viewed that. Well, I viewed that. I viewed that as as positive, uh, particularly in in conflict in the Middle East, which which um, you know uh, led 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 to uh, a, a lot of issues there, including ones that affected my my family. Um, some very bad decisions that were made, uh, but uh, yeah, that that was often something we discussed. Um, my friend who. Um, uh, funnily enough, um, got me involved in, in labor. He was just starting out himself. We now also both work together at, at the SDA. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I think it, 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 a lot of my views were formulating in, in high school is quite political. Um, and, you know, at university, I guess that's the opportunity where you can get involved in, in politics broadly. Why did you choose labor though? Because I mean, some of the, the issues and topics that you've mentioned there, international affairs and diplomacy and all that kind of stuff. I mean, some of those things can, you know, you could, you could, I could easily see someone paving a way through through a centre-right political activism as well. Why did you think that Labor was the home for you? Yeah. Um, obviously, I wouldn't um, hold me to my 15-year-old uh, viewpoints, but um, uh, uh, yeah, my views change over, over time, uh, as do 
a lot of people, especially in that early stage. But when you got involved in labor on, on um, the core issues, I think they represent working people. Um, they, I was a student at the time. They certainly represented my interest then, especially in the context of a higher education deregulation uh, campaign from the libs. Now, that while that wouldn't have affected me personally because we've been grandfathered, um, I could see how it would have impacted many future generations, including my younger siblings. Um, but it, it was quite clear that that labor, just a feeling um, at the time was is better. Um, it represents uh, working people um, and on the on the core issues that that affect me and and my family. So you're now the president uh, of Australian Young Labor, and uh, I'm the very interested to uh, as a former activist within Young Labor, and I am uh, going to apologise by um, just flagging to everyone right now that I'm going to say a whole lot of sentences that begin with "back in my day." <laughs> <laughs> and I do apologise for that. But I am interested in sort of thinking about my own lived experience of Young Labor and getting a sense about what it's like now. And what triggered my interest in getting you on the show today was an article that was written by uh, Nick uh, Dyron Firth. Um, and to be fair, I've, I, I've not read the piece that he wrote in Toxin, but I, it was then sort of dropped into the Australian during the week and some of the quotes were pulled from it. And the one that sort of stood out for me, um, it was a critical piece, I guess, about lack of diversity in the, in the party and sort of zeroed in on Young Labor in particular. Uh, and the quote that uh, was in the Australian from the piece in Toxin was, uh, too many Labor MPs and especially our young activists look and sound the same as ostensibly rival Greens, university educated, socially liberal and likely non-religious or atheist and destined for white collar, high income, secure work living in the inner cities. Labor does not properly reflect the full diversity of working people uh, in its ranks. Now, thinking about Young Labor, is this an accurate assessment of the membership of Young Labor? Yeah, I think there's a few parts to that. But to his point about the demographics um, of, of Young Labor, or it's really not Young Labor, it's Labor broadly. Um, and I think it's a bit unfair to just focus on on the youth wing of, of the party. But uh he is he, he's correct the, the demographics are quite overwhelmingly white um yeah metro metropolitan i mean you say inner city obviously adelaide like most of it is inner city but, <laughs> <laughs> um, um uh certainly a university educator or at university um i can tell you from the uh, being involved in a while almost everyone is a university student or has recently left. Um, and there's a few reasons for that that happy to get into. Um, in a similar way, the Greens also pull from the same crowd, um, as do the Liberals and all, all, all political parties, I would say, have a largely similar demographic composition. Um, however, I think where there is a difference is, I mean, you know, naturally, in, in, in the politics, um, uh, hence the different political parties. But um, I think there's quite a divergence on strategy and priorities uh, between uh, people involved in the youth wing of the Labour Party and, say, that of, of the Greens. Now, while sharing quite similar demographics um, and being at the university, most, I'd say, the majority of viewpoints are the same. In fact, 
it's, it's not like there's a such radical political divergence in mainstream Australia anyway. Um, but but it's about um, you know the 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 strategy and priority. Um, but we do need more diversity, uh, especially outside of universities. I think the reason we have so many uni students is because that is the only place to recruit. Um, now, if you look at civic participation across all forms of, of life, including in the political process, it's decreased massively. Union membership has decreased massively. Um, engagement with society broadly has, has decreased. Um, and the opportunities for that political participation and engagement just aren't there in, in most aspects of people's lives. Uh, historically, um, a lot of people, working people, got, got involved through their trade union. Um, and obviously, a lot of trade unions are affiliated to, to the party. Memberships, theirs de decrease and political, uh, I guess, the nature of, of the political activism of a lot of unions has has changed quite dramatically as, as well. But I think it's good that we're bringing new members in, regardless of where they're from. And if you look at the party broadly, its membership has decreased in quite significantly in, in real terms. And the reality is Young Labour is one of the only uh, branches, I guess, bringing new members in on, on quite a, quite a um, significant basis anyway. And it's because universities sort of represent one of those last areas of, of a lot of you know, civic in engagement that it's, you know, say my campus, it's a single campus. There's lots of people there. There's lots of activities. There's clubs and, and societies and, and sports and facilities. And, you know, students have quite a bit of time, but it really fosters an environment of, and that's what universities are meant to do, of, of that broader thinking and, and engagement. Um, and because there's those political institutions, there's university clubs or whatever they may be, it's that opportunity to get involved that's always there um, and quite easy to get involved in. You know, if you're, a, say, an apprentice, um, you know, 18-year-old, eight, you'll be working, obviously, full-time. Um, you'll have quite other, a lot of other commitments in your general day-to-day -day life. You don't have the time. To, to get involved, but you also don't have the opportunity. Um, so I think that's that's part of the reason that that's led well, a large part of the reason that's led to, I guess, uh, the, the the most of our members coming through the university sector, our universities broadly. Um, and uh, but we do need we do need diversity, and and I have you know, a few few thoughts on that as as, as well, uh, not just in yeah, one. In, in, in broader diversity in, in you know, um, people from multicultural backgrounds and, and non-English speaking households that reflects the true multicultural nature of, of Australia, but also obviously um, um, people from working backgrounds that, that the party exists to represent. I'd like to get your opinions on that in just a moment. But before we do that, one thing that I did think about was when I, when I read uh, the the piece in the Australian. Well, I, I, I sort of reflected on my time in Young Labor uh, back in the eighteen twenties, and it was um, definitely uh, heavily male dominated and heavily uh, white male 
dominated in terms of the activists. Although having said that, I will say this, that when I first joined Young Labor, I was recruited by a very strong cohort of women leaders. Um, the subgroup that I was in um, had a very, very strong women um, leadership group. In fact, it was mostly women that ran, ran our faction. So um, um, that my initial experience wasn't necessarily just um, white men. Uh, but by and large, that is the case across Young Labor in my time involved. But when I was a party official and I had the pleasure of going and addressing student labor, student groups and young labor um, of all the different internal factional colors and persuasions, one thing that did strike me going into those rooms was I found the room to be quite diverse, both certainly on a gender balance. I think it was reasonably 50-50, but also in terms of... uh, diversity from uh, people of color and multicultural backgrounds and normally after you know you do your Stephen gets up there and does his shit speech you normally have a couple of drinks afterwards and talking to some of those young students and asking them you know where are you from and what do you do and a lot of them were from the outer east this is in melbourne obviously this is the outer eastern suburbs and outer western suburbs of melbourne uh they were raised in working class families and they're obviously now at university because that's what their parents want them to do they want them to get a good education no much different to my upbringing really um maybe is is that just a melbourne thing because i actually kind of thought that it was reasonably diverse well certainly a hell of a lot more diverse than it was for me in in the 1990s yeah i look i agree i think not only are we more diverse than we were historically but um certainly more than the party broadly um if we want to talk about diversity i think if you look at the current makeup of the parliamentary party or or um their party positions generally and then look at young labor i mean i'm here but um the, it, it, it it we are a lot more diverse um and in victoria um yeah power, power to the the victorian branch um there that they have done a very good job at um recruiting from a lot of diverse uh, backgrounds and i've met a lot of those people myself through my student politic days. Um, a lot of international students um, get involved in young labor, which is awesome. So non-citizens, but yeah, international students are essentially, um, it's a migration scheme uh, for, for skilled workers. And a lot of them do end up staying here and yeah, having been involved in, in, in politics at, at yeah, that early stage, they, they hopefully get involved for quite a while. But um, yeah, I do think we have diversity. I think there's still room for improvement, particularly um, on, on I guess, I mean, I can tell you in, in um, a, quite a bit of the composition is, well, I mean, the, the composition is disproportionately private school, um, you know, uh, upper middle class, upper, upper class back, backgrounds. Um, and it's just reflects the demographics of university. That's what it, it really does um, because that's where membership is being pulled from. Um, and a lot of people that are more politically engaged or act, sorry, active um, tend to be so because you know, a family member of theirs, is a, member, a Labour Party member or maybe was or so, so forth, which also you know, it would, it would, would mean that they're probably better better off had intense they were involved in the first place it's self-perpetuating um but but i do think we have diversity in our ranks certainly more than well significant improvements um uh, over the past few years uh, and also you're significantly more diverse than the party as a whole 
The other reason why I, I, I think about why Young Labor is primarily full of um, university educated or, or, or university activists is because that's where the org- – I mean you kind of have land on this in terms of your remarks here, but that's where the organising is being done. It's the only place where the organising is being done. The only way – it's all very well and good for people to say we need, more, we need more diversity and we need to pull people from the outer suburbs and from working class um, communities and from uh, people who have got a trade or, you know, a whole bunch of other different things that you want to see in that you can create a, a more diverse pie. Yeah. But it's only going to happen if you go and talk to those people and that requires organising – and the only organising that's happening in Young Ibra right now is on campus because yep. you've got time and you've got resources to do that. Um, no one is organising. Like I don't know of any unions that are in particular going to young members within their union and saying, hey, you should get involved in the Labor Party. Or I don't know of any uh, uh, other organisations that are in working class environments that say, hey, the pathway to create change is through political action. And the party that you should select to be involved in that is the Labor Party. No one's doing that work. Yeah. Uh, so until we someone allocates resources to enable organisational capacity to develop, that's not going to change. What's your thoughts on that? I agree 100%. And they're, they're my views on, on yeah, how we change things around as, as well. So um, you're correct. I, that's what I was getting to, um, that that. The organizing is happening on campus. That's why people are getting involved. Now, obviously, um, you know, you can't have an 18-year-old student go and organize, uh, you know, at a, just as a young labor member workplace. But um, we are lucky enough to be a working class party that's founded by the trade unions. Um, and a lot of whom, the majority of whom uh, are, are affiliates um, by, by membership. Um, so there, there is a lot of union organizing happening um and i think you know if you're a labor party affiliate um that there should be a lot of uh, broader political organizing there's a lot of young people that want to get involved i mean you look at the um number of attendees to to the climate uh the climate strikes or or a lot of social movements broadly lots of young faces um, led by young people some of whom are in high school um, and yeah, you know, the Greens have done a very good job of obviously capturing that 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 so those social movements. Uh, but we do a lot of work with young people I, at the union I work at. Um, a large portion of our members are young because we represent retail and fast food. Um, some some of our members are as young as fourteen. I can tell you at one store in particular. I mean, it's all public, but it, it, it's a McDonald's uh, regional store, uh, quite a low SES town. Um, as well, and um, federal court proceedings there. There's a lot of political, uh, or there's a lot of industrial action happening in that store. You have members as young as 14 that are quite militant. Like if you tell them to go on strike, they would. Um, and it's yeah, why not? Why shouldn't we get them involved? Well, you know, put that ask to them. And I think unions should play a big role in in improving. Um, diversity in in the labor ranks broadly, not just young young labor, um, but bringing people in into the party. And this was a discussion point, as obviously in the last um, election um, for for the president of the Labor Party, um, Michelle Myers, who who was elected, um, I believe, deputy 
president um was was had had some views on on this as well on on um granting automatic membership to union members or free membership uh should they choose to um but i think a big opportunity to get people involved especially young people is through you know that on the ground trade union activism that's already happening and just taking that to the next step if someone's stepping up to be a leader in their workplace why wouldn't they want to also be a leader broadly and and improve clearly they want to improve improve conditions and and pay for themselves and their the work colleagues and i think putting that ask is is a big start the uh, pre-selection of Christina Keneally for the safe seat of Fowler in Western Sydney caused a huge debate both inside the party and amongst the commentariat um, about um, whether we're pre-selecting candidates that reflect the values and interests of the constituency that they seek to represent. And one of the things that struck a chord with me in the debate, someone or a couple of people mentioned on Twitter saying that there is a disconnect between the leadership of the Labor Party and they weren't in that in, in terms of leadership, they weren't having a go at Albo. I think they were speaking more broadly in terms of the caucus and the age of the caucus and the diversity of the caucus and the, you know, the, the, the makeup of the caucus. There's a disconnect between what they see as important to what the disc, what young people see as important. Because that sort of, I guess, for people like me and onwards, a Gen X through to the kind of boomer class. Um, our experiences, our lived experiences are fundamentally, not fundamentally, but substantially different to the lived experiences of millennials and Gen Zs. Um, that The priorities of millennials and Gen Zs is largely different to them than the priorities of Gen Xs and, and, and boomers. And we, that we, my generation and the older generation, don't actually understand what is going on in the mindsets of younger people. Um, and that's why we need to get more, more diversity into the caucus because then yep. they bring those interests into the room and to say, here's, here's a whole bunch of things that are a challenge for us. And uh, I de- one of the tweets actually was quite powerful. I should have bloody well kept it because it started to talk about some things that I hadn't even considered as being um, uh, an issue, like things that were important to them, like more of a priority for them than others would be things like, like refugees, like uh, climate change, like um, you know, uh, equality on various forms like um, sexual orientation or LGBT rights or um, gender rights, um, and then listed a whole bunch of others as well. Ones I, I'm obviously aware of, but it was saying that these are the things that lead us. These are the things that define who we are. Whereas I guess when I first got involved in politics, the things that defined me was like workers' rights and um, you know, and Australia becoming a republic and 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 indigenous rights and those kind of things. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on. Given the big debate we just had about about um, Fowler and this, do you think there is a disconnect that exists on term, in terms of interests and values between younger people within the party or in the broader movement or in the community and that of the, the, the my generation and older? Obviously, we have a youth wing for a reason and it's you know, partly because the age is, is transient and, and those issues um, that affect young people don't, don't necessarily affect people that are more more um, in, in, into their working life or, or generally. Um, I think where we come into play is about bringing forward those those priorities affecting young people to the party. Because you're right, um, they're not 
thinking about these and not hanging out with with uh, young people or you maybe not. <laughs> but um, the the um, that there is a disconnect there, um, and it, it's and that that's why we're here. Um, I can tell you um, that you know there's a few issues that just people wouldn't think of and the party doesn't take seriously or politics generally sorry um that that have huge impacts on people's lives one is around the welfare state and how that operates so if you're under the age of 21 um you know you can't actually get um uh, access to the welfare state uh if your parents earn above a threshold which isn't that significant around around 55 grand um obviously you know cost of living is quite significant um but regardless of whether you live out of home uh, regardless of of um you know whether your parents are supporting you or not you are not supported by the welfare state um so during covid uh we we and and obviously the shutdowns these a lot of young people in that position were supporting themselves through employment they lost employment and they weren't able to access the welfare system. They weren't supported at all. Now, th this doesn't affect too many people, you know, primarily people between the ages of 18 and, and 21, um, and portion of that. So um, that's not something that was a priority for anyone and even a consideration within the political process, despite the huge impact it's having on people, putting them to the brink of homelessness, if not homelessness. Um, and, and that's something we were able to bring forward uh, to the party broadly and, and run quite a significant uh, campaign on, which will hopefully have some success soon. But it, I use that as an example as, as you, know, a, you know, very, it affects, you know, tens of thousands of people, but only young people. Um, that's just not a, a big consideration. And I guess where, where we exist is to bring forward um, those policies, the, the issues affecting young people. Um, and, you know, there, there's been quite a big demographic change across Australia as well. Um, and younger generations are a lot more diverse, whether it be in sexuality or, or culture or whatever it may be than, than previous generations. One of the things that I learned in my experience when we first started introducing uh, electoral organising into our campaign, broader campaign structure in 2014 through to 2018 was in order to get, you know, organising is about trying to identify, recruit and organise, mobilise individual volunteer labour supporters around a shared purpose to commit to specific actions like door knocking and phone banking and, and, uh, and taking on leadership roles and all that kind of stuff. And in order for us to knock on thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of doors and make thousands of calls, we need a lot of volunteers. And that volunteer base, that core constituency, has to be motivated about the organisation that they're going out and giving their own personal time towards. Now, in order to the, – the, the motivations on a policy front for them – actually sometimes are slightly different to the motivations of what we need to persuade voters to vote for the political party. Mm. So by that, I would say, for example, the, 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 if you give the example of the Victorian state election campaign in 2014 and largely in 2018, our 
election issue grid, our conversations that we were having with voters to try and either persuade them or lock them in, was around jobs, health, education, and public transport. These were strong areas for Labor, and these were the things that we thought we could either switch votes or hold votes. Jobs, health, education, and public transport. However, the things that motivate our volunteer base to come out and knock on doors not, were not necessarily jobs, health, education, and public transport. They were, but there were also things like um, equality, LGBT rights, climate change, uh, refugees, um, you know, and a whole bunch of other things, uh, 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 self-determination for Aboriginal Victorians. So the, what we wanted to talk to them about and say, hey, you should come out and, vo- come out and volunteer because all of these things are at stake um, are the things that motivated them. So it's critically important, I think, from a political campaign standpoint that you're able to meet the expectations of your base in order for them to come out and uh, knock on doors and make calls. One of the biggest groups is young people. Uh, the two cohorts, uh, the two largest cohorts of the Community Action Network are people between the ages of 18 and 26 uh, and then retirees. And there's still a lot of people involved in the middle, but the two biggest groups are those two groups. Yeah. I noticed in 2016, and this is not a criticism of uh, Bill Shorten in particular, but it was difficult to motivate. We still got heaps of people out, but it was difficult to motivate people to come out because the expectations of federal labour didn't, uh, uh, didn't meet the ex- sorry the, the policies or the positions of federal labor didn't meet the expectations of young people um, in order for them to come out and knock on doors. How critical is it for labor in a campaign context to meet those expectations of young people on issues like climate change, refugees, equality, housing, welfare? Yeah, um, you know, people are campaigning for the party or involved because they believe in the party and what it, it strives to do. Uh, obviously, we're a party of, of government um, and there's a lot of divergence. I mean, for people, it's about priorities, I think, um, and, and strategy. The, the, I think a lot of people understand that, um, you know, there's a lot of views that they may have that aren't able to be implemented or at least in, in, in the short term or changes that need to have happen in, in, in society broadly. Um, now, it, I think why people are involved and in campaigning, you're right, is, well, well, one is because they believe in, you know, if, I hope if you're in the Labour Party in, in being in government, and that's a big difference as well with people in the Greens, some of whom have told me that they actually, including senior people in their youth wing, that they don't have no intent, they don't want the Greens in government. Um, that's not why they're involved. Um, now, we, I think a lot of our members appreciate the importance of that and what it will mean. It's quite a significant um, thing that we, we're trying to, to, to do. Um, and what we want to do is speak to people about the issues relevant to them. Now, whether that be an intersection at, uh, at fixing an intersection or, or complaints about the councils, um, you know, obviously you appreciate um, what, what people are saying and, and their views. And a lot of it does does relate to labor broadly. Um, you know, we obviously support better public services and maintenance. But yeah, th- there's a lot of personal motivators for people. There's a lot of policies that they may uh, support or believe in that the party's not actively putting forward or not putting forward um, at all. Um, but I think people appreciate it's just the nature of, of politics. 
Um, and the party does support, you know, all of those things. You know, the party supports action on climate change. It, it supports LGBT rights. Um, uh, it, it supports uh, the addressing the issues that affect young people. And when you look at who's currently in government, it's, it's, it's the liberals, and they're certainly not taking um, action on this. And people understand that, you know, if they want a serious party of government that does make practical, real improvements for people, it's, it's through getting Labor elected. Last question, because uh, uh, I, uh, I know you got to run, um, and I know you've only just started in the role of um, Australian Young Labor President. So this is uh, this is uh, not a criticism directed at you by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe uh, an observation that I noticed that um, something that the um, organisation may want to address. I was on the various social platforms for the official accounts for Australian Young Labor. Uh, the Facebook account for Australian Young Labor has about 9,000 followers. The last post was done in early August. Twitter has about 3,000 followers and the last post was done in um, late September. Uh, Instagram has 2,000 followers or 2,500. Last post was in May. You have no TikTok account. Yeah. Um, given that uh, younger folks have grown up in the age of social media platforms and communicate via largely spend most of their time on the phones. And I know I'm now definitely doing the back in my day kind of thing here. It, and it, But it's your go-to channel for communication. I just found it interesting that the Australian Young Labor's presence on those platforms is one, very small, and two, not very active. Um, yeah. I mean, Dan Andrews on TikTok, for God's sake. What, what is this not a priority for Young Labor or what's the story here? So correct observation, we're not very active on social media. Um, uh, now, a few things there. One is, um, you know, what is National Young Labor? It's really the, the just the national voice of, of the various Young Labor branches. Um, now, most engagement um, with young people, uh, well, sorry, with youth members is through their respective state branches. Um, and there's party branches, but also youth branches. And then going further to that, then there's a lot of... Uh, um, social media accounts and engagement with the more localized, whether it be uh, New South Wales around, you know, LGAs or here at universities. So there's a lot of social media activity uh, broadly, um, you know, universities um, uh, across state state parties and, and so forth. Um, now, I've the way I view my role is I don't think, well, I don't support the idea that, you know, I'm essentially a communications officer. I'm, I'm here to put forward um, policy and views to the party uh, and um, yeah, serious ab about that. Um, now, it, it, I don't expect to be, um, or, you know, we, we, it, it is it is a, a focus. Um, now, where, where other parties have been successful say the Young Greens, they've actually had it run out of um, uh, their, their party leader's office um, by a comms officer and their page has had, or their social media engagement is in the millions. It, it's, they've got great traction and, and are cutting through to, to young people. Um, it's, yeah, it's something that needs to be addressed, you're right, because a lot of people are online. Now, there is more activity than I guess it uh, appears at first sight just because of this the structure um but but it, it's something that i intend to uh make a focus um there are quite a few um tiktok accounts now that are live um 
usually um maybe this shows the um the the, the gap <laughs> but um, it, it, I don't think a young Labour TikTok account would be particularly uh, the most popular, but there certainly is a lot of Labour-associated accounts there. If you want to follow Gen Z for Albo or or uh, the 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 um, ACTU's Young Workers TikTok account, they're, they're good to follow. Uh, before we wrap up, um, I should uh, give you an opportunity to plug uh, if any young people are listening to this uh, podcast um, and they do want to get involved in Young Labor, how would you go about getting involved in Young Labor? Yeah, um, the way you do it is you join the Labor Party. That's the easiest, most straightforward way to make sure that you get involved. Join the ALP um, and someone should reach out to you. Alternatively, if you're at university, and I know we need to diversify our ranks, but join your local labor club on, on campus because that's the entry point for a lot of people and they'll be able to help you out get involved, uh, getting more involved broadly. Fantastic. Ali, I mean, thank you so much for coming uh, on the show today. Uh, I actually, there's a whole bunch of other questions I had for you, but um, we're going to have to wrap it up uh, today. But I'll, I'll have to get you back on the show um, in a later date to um, continue to talk about the ways in which we can engage young people in the political process, but obviously get them involved in, in, in the labor movement. But thank you for your time today. Thank you, Stephen. Hey there. Thanks for listening to Social Democratic. Did you like the podcast? Hit the follow or subscribe button and be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And to get all the latest updates on Socially Democratic, follow Dunn Street on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And we'll see you next Friday.